0: If you've noticed in your time here at Renew, we like to laugh, and there's a lot of sound of laughter and and funniness, and I think that's a good thing in the church, like church should be full of laughter and, and humor and fun, um, because who invented that, but who designed that, who created that, but God himself, so laughter is a part of being in the image of God, and so... I encourage all of you to let out a laugh every once in a while and 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 be comfortable in that because we love that here at Renew because laughter is the solve right it's the lotion it's the ointment for our burdened hearts for our souls because life is hard enough as it is we're full of burdens we're full of suffering and hurt and pain and dysfunction and disunity and a lot of us are have been or have gone through hard times and so when we laugh together it's also healing it's a healing part of our soul that we do together with one another Um, I wish I was doing a sermon on laugh for one another with one another because I would just do a stand-up comedy routine but like laugh laughter is good and we have burdens and You know, the people of the Puget Sound area, greater Seattle area, have a burden, right? We've had years of burden. And the burden has been, in the words of Dave Niehaus, the late, great announcer for the Seattle Mariners, in 1995, yesterday was the anniversary of '95 when Edgar hit a double and Griffey Rounds third and scores, and we beat the Yankees. Um, and, but the game before that was the first time we'd been to the playoffs. Uh, that's the playoff game with the uh, Angels, and that's where Randy Johnson closes the game and points to this guy. We win the game, and Dave Niehaus goes, 19 years of long frustration finally over. And that's how it was last week um, when Kyle Raleigh hit a home run, a walk-off home run to ensure that the M's for uh, first time in 21 years went to the playoffs. And then yesterday, yesterday, (laughs) yesterday, We're playing t- Toronto for, uh, for in the wildcard series, which is now a three-game series, and we were down 8-1. And Isaiah and I were watching it and we were like, forget about this, it's, it's over. We'll, we'll go 1-1 and try to win the third game. Who's pitching in the third game? Is it Logan Gilbert? Who's their third pitcher? What, 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 what? And we were kind of down, but then the Mariners come back. They go back to chaos ball. And for some reason, like the ball just kept falling in the right places and they kept, we just run after run after run until we tied it at nine. And Isaiah and I were like, yeah, it was so loud. I was like, close the windows. Like Janice comes out of her room, out of the room and is like, what's happening? Who's dying? Um, But that burden right a burden was lifted and you'll, you might feel it a monday you know when you go to work around the water cooler you'll see that there's a pep in people's step and uh things have been lifted and that's you know jokingly but um also true that we're interconnected and a part of one anothering as the church is to be able to carry one another's burdens right to actually lift the sorrows of other people, lift the pain of other people, um, carry other people, carry one another um, when we can't walk on our own, when it's hard to walk on our own or the burden is so heavy that it's overwhelming in our life. And part of what it means to be the community of faith is to radically practice this carrying one another So I'm reading from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, the NIV version. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. This is the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is uh, difficult because uh, there's kind of two halves, and it seems like the two halves of this passage... This section contradicts itself. In verse 2, um, it says, carry one another's burdens. But then in verse 5, each one should carry their own load. So what is Paul saying? You know, carry one another's burdens? Or each one carry your own load and worry about yourself. Is that what he's saying? And I don't think so. So we, we should walk through this and figure it out. Um, but first I wanted to start off with talking about helicopter sports parents. Um while excluding myself from that group, <laughs> right? And uh, a, a pastor friend of mine said, you know, when I give illustrations about, and tell stories about my children, I give them five bucks, you know, because, you know, they have to suffer through hearing about stories about themselves, and uh, especially if you don't ask them permission, that you should always ask for permission, but Isaiah, I'm going to give you five bucks after this. <laughs> But but I am a helicopter sports parent, maybe because I want to live vicariously through my children, especially through Isaiah, because I'm older now and I don't run as fast or jump as high or do, but he's still young and he's still, he's starting to play sports and he played, you know, he played soccer and he's playing ultimate now. And so I go to a lot of his games and I sit on the sideline and I yell at him like, go, 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 do this, go sprint that way. Don't let them, you know, play defense. And then go, go, go to the other end of the field, sprint as fast as you can, stop walking, stop walking. And he's like, you run. <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know, and I feel like I wish inside, you know, that I had an actual remote control. And there's a lot of parents like me, like, run that way, run this way, run that way. Like, yes, remote control, right? And, uh, you know, uh, his soccer club, uh, Seattle United, they have a, you know, a policy, like, pretend like the soccer game is a math test. You wouldn't tell your son the answers to the math test, right? You wouldn't tell him what to do and how to figure out the problem. Hands off. And so I would always argue back, like, don't tell me how to parent, right? I'm a high-directive person. You just want this laid-back, hands-off type of parenting? Like, what, what is that, right? That's like your style. I'm Tiger Dad, right? <laughs> um, but I think, actually, you know, when I do that, it kind of contributes to this toxic environment, a sport-competitive environment in general, but also for Isaiah, because I think it actually gives him more stress. And anxiety and um, rather than lifting his burden right and helping him to play free and learn um, in his way it actually puts more burden on him and I would like us to imagine a firefighter so that there's that illustration and then there's the illustration of fire that if a firefighter, there's a, your house is burning down, a house is burning down, and the firefighter is, uh, is actually sitting in his lawn chair, right, outside of the fire, and directing people, non-firefighters, into the building and out of the building. Go save that person. Go pour water there. Go in and say, I think there's a cat inside. Go up to the second floor and risk your life. Risk the burning, you know, burning yourself to go, you know, put out the fire, save people. What do you think people, how would people respond? They would look at that person and like, you're the first responder, you're the firefighter, you go in the fire, you're supposed to save us, that's your job, and you have the equipment to do so. Jump in. Don't just tell us and direct us from a distance to jump in. And I think that's at, uh, that illustration is at the core of what Paul is trying to get at in this one-anothering section of carry one another's burdens. That in order to carry one another's burdens, in order, as it says, if someone is caught in sin, and by caught in sin, it doesn't mean you caught them in sin, like, I caught you red-handed, ha-ha, you're in sin. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't mean that. It's if someone someone is entrapped in sin. Someone is caught in the web of sin. right? You didn't catch them, (laughs) Uh, but they're caught in sin. And you see that. It's a burden. And it's affecting their life. Then you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. And I take that to mean, like, oh, like, love that person dangerously does that make sense like when you actually enter have relationship and enter into what this person is struggling with and love them gently it actually puts you at risk it's like you are running into the fire right and helping them get out negotiate the smoke and the haze and and not get hurt but when you run in like that firefighter, you actually risk yourself getting burned, right? And that's what Paul is saying. What we tend to do is to, to, to uh, call out sin or to, you know, point people's sin out from a safe distance. Does that make sense? Like from our launcher or like the helicopter sports parent like me. Like, go there with our remote control. Oh, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. And the reason why we do that is because it's safe, right? It doesn't mean, it means we don't have to have a relationship. It means we don't have to be vulnerable. It means we don't expose ourselves. We don't get down and dirty. We don't roll up our sleeves and get in the mud with people, risking ourselves. And I think Paul is saying that, like, be close to people and help people carry the burdens alongside them and that's a risk to you that's a risk to you because you become vulnerable whether that's spiritually like i've experienced that when i'm walking with someone through something very difficult or some sort of you know sinful pattern or whatever it is i notice that i am vulnerable to whatever you know to attack or to feeling down or vulnerable to the same, you know, struggle. I don't know if you've experienced that too, but it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous to get down and dirty with people. And so I think that's why Paul says, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. But there's a second part of that. It could also be very specific. You may be tempted if you you know recognize someone's caught in sin and you restore that person gently you may also be tempted to be prideful right like oh i you know i told that i helped that person and when we start to play the comparison game like they struggled with that and so i i, I restored them but I. Oh my gosh! I don't struggle with that. I can't believe they struggled with that, right? And when we play the comparison game, uh, we start to we create a toxic community. Does that make sense? Like where we compete, where we tear others down, and when that starts to happen, gossip starts to fill uh, the community, and we start gossiping about other people. Um, but I think when we are vulnerable and open and and gently restore a person um, and put ourselves on their level, right? Walk a a mile in other people's shoes. um, We begin to see the difference um, in that. And if you notice, I mean, this in context is Paul talking to the community of faith the Galatian church specifically was dealing with drama, with a lot of this gossip, you know, division, people tearing each other down, and specifically uh, between Jew and Gentile, there are false teachers coming in and saying, you know, not only are you know do they have to receive Jesus and hear the good news of the gospel, but they need to become good Jews, right? Circumcision in particular, or dietary laws. They need to also have this, like, come in and conform ethnically, right? You have to become good Jews to be good Christians. And so, so there was, like, you know, division. There was infighting and, and argumentation. And um, Paul is saying, no, stop living in the flesh. And living in the flesh means, like, that, that stuff, tearing people down, competing, comparing saying, no, judging, condemning one another. No, you're not truly following. You need to do this. No, don't tell me that. You are this. And so it goes back and forth and back and forth. And Paul's like, you guys have a toxic community. You need to be a community led in the spirit. And so in Galatians 5, the chapter right before this, you, hear, you get the fruits of the spirit, right, passage. Christ's beloved community lives in radical mutuality of one another in which is a result of walking in the spirit and thus bearing fruits of the spirit what are the fruits of the spirit galatians 5 to 23 love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control as i read that i'm like do i have the spirit <laughs> i'm just kidding um self-control gentleness and so in six in our passage that gently that word gently you who live by the spirit you are the community of the spirit should restore that person gently right and I think gentleness is a part of that list of fruits of the spirit amen restore that person gently Right? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. In campus staff uh, ministry, you know, when I we get together with other young staff, I would get together with young staff peers, and we were, mind you, we were young and arrogant and cocky. <laughs> right we used to call like you know we'd talk and complain about freshmen or college students and how they're always wrestling with this and struggling with this and you know we'd be like they need like a drive-by they need like a drive-by discipleship but you know the connection is drive-by shooting like you know like it's a terrible image right but it's kind of like you know Because we can see their core issues very clearly, right? All we have to do is come in, boom, with precision and (laughs) insightfulness, like just mess them up and then just go away, right? Just drive by really quickly. And when you think about it, that's really harsh, right? It's the exact opposite of what Paul is talking about. It's like, get involved. Walk alongside this person, and do things gently, amen? So I think what Paul, I mean, the gist of what Paul is saying is, be ready to heal one another, not judge each other, right? When we're dealing with uh, restoring someone, right, is it, it's so much less about, like, pointing out truth and how they're not, like, living in the truth and a lot more about healing, right? Being sure that they're healed. So Paul doesn't say what, what sin they're caught in, right? It could be systemic sin, right? They could be in the sin of our culture, in the sin of oppression and injustice placed on them, right? That, that gives us another perspective, right? When someone's trapped in the sin of the world that's not of their doing, but because of who they are, their, you know, their gender or their ethnicity or their station in life, they're trapped in the sin of the world, in our culture, in our society, and injustice. Be gentle with them, right? Be a part of restoring them. Care enough to get down and hear and have compassion, hear their stories, and help to lift them out of their burden. Are you with me, church? There's many ways we can look at this. Um, that, that restoring gently as a part of the fruit of spirit mentioned in, in five, uh, I think lack of gentleness is a sign of immaturity, right? Being harsh or judgmental. I know this because I've been there <laughs> and so I know it's a sign of immaturity like it's much easier to judge and condemn someone and come down hard on someone um, than really like sit with someone right it's, it's much easier for my heart um, to, rather than connecting And focusing on my relationship with them and getting near to people. It's easier to stay at a distance, right? To be the firefighter on the launcher saying, you did, you did, you did, you did, or to be the helicopter parent remote controlling my child rather than being really with someone and walking alongside someone. And I think the challenge for us is to continually one another, to continually practice empathy and compassion as a church, to continually walk in the shoes of one another to go where the people are, where they are, not a distanced approach. When we correct or point out sin from an aloof position, we tend to be harsh and we tend um, to condemn, right? Because we wanna protect ourselves. If we have distance, we think we can spare ourselves from the pain of the sin or the temptation of the sin or being associated with that sin But I think when Paul says "carry one another's burden," he means for Christ's people to practice radical mutuality and compassion, to truly walk a mile in another's shoes, walk a mile in the shoes, Um, to truly dive in and get down and dirty with people, without falling to the temptations. Isn't that what Jesus did? He didn't have to come down and be with us. He didn't have to risk. He didn't have to be crucified and to suffer. In his prayer in Gethsemane, he was like, God, take this cup from me. I don't want to suffer. He felt every pain. He felt the world. He carried our burdens. But he did it. Right? He didn't have to. Pray to the spirit, pray to God that he will help us not to be afraid to help one another in genuine, authentic ways. Restore, help another person. To love someone in this way is dangerous, right? (laughs) Because you risk falling into the temptation of the sin itself. and, um, And essentially, you're running into a burning house to help someone. And you risk being burned yourself. So let's hit the second part. What the heck is Paul talking about? And I considered just cutting this part, so, and just dealing with the first half, because I just didn't want to deal with it. But the second part is difficult. How does it relate, like, selective preaching? It almost seems to contradict what we just read, right? Carry one another's uh, burden, but now Paul is saying each one should carry their own load. What gives? Um. And I think when we become the armchair sin monitors, we contribute to creating an unsafe culture, right? An unsafe culture in the community. We condemn without gentleness. We criticize without compassion. And armchair monitors are great at describing and analyzing the loads people are carrying, but don't lift the finger to help carry. We create cultures full of envy and gossip and positioning of tearing each other down rather than a community of mutuality and love. And this way, I think what Paul's message is saying is, in our section is, as I mentioned before, be a part of healing on one another and not judging one another, right? Judge only yourself. That's the part of just worry about yourself, carry your burden. Like, be a part of healing someone. But in terms of judging, in terms of condemnation, right? Judge, you have only to judge yourself. None of us are perfect, right? All of us need Jesus. We are nothing before God. Without God, we have nothing but our own sin. And that's the truth. So let no one think they are something because. We are nothing. We are nothing. And on top of that, I think the specific kind of uh, burden or sin temptation that he's speaking of is the comparison game, right? Stop the comparison game. Because when you compare, it leads to pride. When we are the sin monitors and point each other's sins out, we're like, yeah, because... In a sense, to do that means you think that you're better than that person. Innately, I am better than them. And we are constantly kind of negotiating that that in a community. I'm better than them. They're better than me. That person is equal to me. (laughs) Whatever it is. Look how wise and discerning I am. Look at how good I am at discipling, look how great of a leader I am, great of a Christian and churchgoer I am. But the reality is when it comes to judging and evaluating sin, we all have our own baggage. We are all carrying our own loads on the road. Right? And so when we judge and condemn, we're actually putting We're not lifting their burdens, but we're actually putting our own burden, our own baggage on top of the baggage they already have, right? And maybe this is a lesson of projection and overcompensation. Don't project. Don't compare. Because rather than helping lift the load, you're actually adding more to the person. In fact, you're putting your own sheesh on others needlessly. You guys know what projection is, right? Don't, haven't you noticed in your life, oh, let's not think about, let's, let's look at objectively, your parents, right? They, they tend to point out the things you know that most annoy them about you, um, but they're the stuff that they t- tend to struggle with the most, right? And if you notice yourself crit- criticizing people for certain things, I notice this, that it's stuff that I'm insecure about, that I struggle with, that's my own stuff, and I'm projecting onto them. And so when we do this, we're actually putting, not carrying others' burdens, we're actually saying, and you take mine too, right? That's yours. That's yours, not mine. So let's leave with this. Lift others up. Step into others' healing processes. Contribute to the healing of others. That's carrying each other unconditionally, gently, with grace, vulnerably and dangerously to the point that you can be exposed yourself. that you can be exposed yourself. It's true that when I get close to and intimate with people and work and we're sharing and and they're sharing with me and we're carrying one another's burden, that their stuff tends to push buttons in my heart, right? Similar stuff, because we relate. We're, you know, when one dot, when one baby and a nursery, starts crying, all the other babies cry, right? There's a recognition in our souls of the crying within other people's souls. And so that, I think that's the danger, right, of getting close like that, right? We tend to, it brings up our stuff, and we're afraid of that. Um, but I want to encourage you, because we're a community of spirit, the Spirit, don't be afraid to carry one another's burdens, right? You can't do this by keeping a distance. We need to build relationships with one another to carry one another. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge to us as a community to move beyond just, you know, couch um, discipleship or couch reporting things out in one another, but actually to get down and dirty and relational and to be participate in carrying one another's burdens. And I, I pray that uh, whatever it is that keeps us from sharing our burdens with one another, uh, whether that be because we are ashamed, whether that be because we have past hurts and we don't want to, um, we don't want to be burned. We've been burned in the past or judged and condemned in the past. I pray that because of your spirit and what you've done, that this can be a safe and holy place, that renewed church and the communities and relationships built here can be protected by your spirit and you make um, our relationships in this space a safe and holy place. Amen.